Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I am the host, Brianna Battles, founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism and CEO of Everyday Battles. I'm a career strength and conditioning coach, entrepreneur, mom of two wild little boys, and a lifelong athlete. I believe that athleticism does not end when motherhood begins, and this podcast is dedicated to coaching you by providing meaningful conversations, insights, and interview topics related to fitness, mindset, parenting, and of course, all the nuances of pregnancy and postpartum. From expert interviews to engaging conversations and reflections, this podcast is your trustworthy, relatable resource for learning how to practice brave through every season in your life. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today, I am here with my friend Jasmine Braxton, and we are going to be talking about personal training when you are a newbie, those first five years of getting into this industry and knowing what to do, maybe what not to do, and some overlooked components of coaching that maybe don't get taught in school or in a lot of our certifications. So Jasmine, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Brianna. I've been looking forward to this for sure. I love it. So go ahead and tell us a bit more about yourself. Yes. So um, my name is Jasmine Braxton. I have been in the personal training space for a little over 11 years at this point. Went to school, did an undergrad degree for kinesiology, which I think we have similarities there, and was going to do the DPT, you know, doctor physical therapy track, and was stopped right in my steps um, with an internship with that. I realized this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life, you know, like looking at the same six to 10 injuries for 40 years, not my cup of tea. So I capitalized on a part-time training position I had then. And one thing led to another. And over from 2012 to now, I have basically built a business in the fitness space as an entrepreneur. So I went from working one-on-one with clients over those years with you know, return from injury and strength-based type of training to now working with other up-and-coming personal trainers coming to the space who are just trying to find their footing and figure out, like, how exactly do I build a career out of this and do it with quality, not just kind of like throwing together things that you may see on social media or read on a blog post and it not really having a rhyme or reason to it. So that's how we got here. I love it because coaching is so much more than counting reps and like pulling exercises from the air to just plug into a workout. It's actually understanding, but I don't know about you. What year did you graduate college? 2012. Okay. So you are, you are a baby, but, um, I don't know about you, but when I graduated in 2008, there was like no guidance for business or taking what we had learned about the human body and showing us like what we could do with it outside of, well, you could be a PE teacher, you could go on to get your DPT, you could maybe go into corporate wellness, but even that was like, what's corporate wellness, you know? And then yeah. <laughs> I'm like personal training, cool. But there was no, like, it was a big focus on going to work for somebody who's then taking a huge cut of what oh. you're making. So then you're really walking out with like, that was a whole hour of my time and I'm getting paid literally nothing working split shifts, like morning or afternoon or whatever, just crazy, crazy hours. And you're left going, this is what I went to school for. And this was that specialty certification that I got. And I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Yes. 
all of that. Like, I think I, oh my goodness, you are bringing up the memories. Yes, you you do play the game of like, which, which path do I go down? Right. And not to mention, like, we sink a lot of our time, energy, and lots of finances into being in this profession to get paid peanuts, like you just said. Um, I am really big about we should be paid a professional wage and trainers don't. I think the last time I looked on average, a salary for a year of personal training when you're decent at it, it's like less than 40 grand. That's not a professional wage in most towns in the U.S., right? right? And then um, when you think about it, like now I think to get a degree in kinesiology at any university, we're probably looking at 20 to 25,000 a year. Yeah. For four years. So you do the math there. And so it's just like we're talking about just one aspect, too. We're talking about just the financial side, but it just goes to show how even though this work can be very life changing for the clients that we work with and even for ourselves, because we grow, too, as coaches coaching them. It doesn't show that in the compensation. And sometimes that can take the passion away from doing this. It makes you just feel like, well, I can't, that's just not like a passion project. I can't make a living with that. And so people just pivot and find other things to do, especially if it's not like in them to be an entrepreneur. Right. Or that's never even been given as an option, right? Like entrepreneurship was not on the table in any way it from anywhere in my life, both like personal life and exposure through through school and education. I also think to kind of piggyback on your point there is, you know, we're we're given these like salary ranges or whatnot. um, And it's a whole industry problem of compensation is I think there's a lot of messaging attached to, well, you do it because you love it. You do it because it's rewarding. And Mm. like, you know, you see that a lot in strength and conditioning where it's a high level strength and conditioning job, or I worked in collegiate athletics. It's a, it's a big title really a sought after title, but the compensation does not match the title and the output of just how many hours and sacrifices going into that. No, it sounds like being a mom, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> how about that? Yeah. Uh, it's rewarding though. <laughs> true. I mean, mind you, we love our children. We will do anything for them. So that's not what I'm saying at all. But like, um, it just makes you have resentment when you look at maybe people that you also went to school with and they chose a different career path and you all worked just as hard. You worked just as hard as they did. Yet when they live a lifestyle that you desire, or they live with a lot less stress around finances or their career than you have, it makes you feel resentment. And and then you start to question your own, like, well, did I do something wrong? Did I make the wrong choice? You start to question you. And it's not that at all. It's just like, just like so many things in this country, like we basically have to tear down the current system of fitness and how it's valued by the everyday individual and by uh, gyms and companies that support trainers so that more value can be placed on the work that we do so that we can be compensated better. And people don't look at it as Oh, well, why are we paying the trainer that much? Um, Like something I've always wanted. I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime, but why isn't the personal training industry regulated like physical therapy where we all have to take a board? We all have to pass the same exam. We can't just go and get a weekend certification because, you know, well, oh man, I would love to teach fitness. And so we just jump around on the floor and get a weekend certification. And like, oh, I'm a trainer now. 
but you have no clue how to take a client succinctly from point A to point B with integrity. Right. That and integrity is a huge value piece for me. Like, are you doing it with integrity? Because there are things that I've said no to because I didn't feel like I had integrity in it. And people look at fitness as, oh, that's just an easy way to, you know, make some cash. They look at it like being a barista at Starbucks. Like, it's just some cash I'll make. And then while I'm working on my real life job, my real career. And for us who don't look at it that way, it's like, so I'm being grouped in the same basket as these poor apples over here. I'm a good apple. Why am I over here with the rotten ones? <laughs> oh my gosh. So many, so many things there, you know, because I do think there is so much opportunity to get in the fitness industry. And with that comes the quality control conversation. And we're basing so much of somebody's credibility on what they look like and what they can do. And that's yeah. so problematic in this industry because there's no regulation body. And that I think that is such a slippery slope because it's hard for the consumer to know that. You and I, who are, have been in this industry, who are working, who are really well-educated here, we've kind of seen it all. It's easy for us to see that. It's easy for us to look on Instagram and be like, oh my God, another thing, another like gross marketing thing, another like super shamey this or really short-sighted that or just ridiculous demonstration for just more views. Like we can see that, but that's not always common sense to the consumer. Mm -mm. And I think that is a big place where trainers who are of quality can set themselves apart is um, working to disprove a lot of that uh, with, if you're going to use a platform, like use it in the way of this is what the common knowledge is. And this is why that might not be true and really kind of like doing what they can in educating their clientele. Cause I think that is the education piece for a lot of trainers because they don't think that their job, a part of their job is to teach movement and teach health. They don't really harp on it. They do it. Like you mentioned for what attention can this get me? Not how can I actually make a lasting change for this person or help them create a lasting change for themselves. Right. Because people that are feel very called to work in the fitness industry who maybe they have an undergraduate degree or maybe it's a career that they kind of like morphed into one way or the other. They're they're here. I mean, we're we're smart people. Like I think mm-hmm. that's the thing that gets lost too in the sea of like social media and and like that just quick reaction of a lot of what we see. Like the fitness industry, the people that are truly professionals in this industry, I should say made up of really intelligent people that oh care God. a lot, but know the body and know movement and know human behavior really well. Those are the good ones, but they kind of fly under the radar sometimes. They most definitely do. I will say we most definitely <laughs> do. And I don't know if you've noticed this, maybe it's just, I haven't been exposed to all the different uh, places, but Oftentimes, at least when I sit down to like read something to increase my knowledge about something in the fitness industry, it's often men and you don't see a lot of women speaking from at least not writing books and things of that nature that speaks intelligently on the subject matter of fitness. But when you think about it, who are most client, who are the people who make up the biggest clientele? Women. At some point in their life, they are clientele. And so um, that's another reason, I guess, why I'm here too. Like, yeah. Let's put some girls on the books, right? <laughs> yeah, well, 
It's so funny. I, I talk about this a lot, but it's like, man, I went into a male dominated career choice with strength and conditioning and collegiate athletics thinking I was just going to be like around guys that are doing power cleans all the time. And in that environment. And now I'm like very female entrepreneur centered coaching pregnant and postpartum. Like what, how did that happen? Like, so, so different. It's that whole, like where you started versus where you ended up going thing. Um, so different, but I am absolutely like so grateful that that's the trajectory that things took. So saying yes, yes. <laughs> bringing, more, bringing more women, the opportunities to, to tap into business and to find their voice in what has been a traditionally male dominated fitness industry until, you know, pretty recent years. Yes. That's one of the reasons why I am a big fan of the work that you do is because not only are you creating things that help women, but you're also being an example of what's capable of us. Like you don't have to just uh, kind of sit back and not try to take the reins and move things in the direction where you see there's a need. Like that's how your entire program came about. That's how my entire company came about. And I think talking about that and being more an example of those things is very useful in this space. Well, thank you for saying that. And now I want to, I want to shift that to you talking about, you know, we kind of identified a lot of some problematic things within the fitness industry, especially for personal trainers who are trying to find their way, who are smart, they're qualified, but they really just need help with the, well, now what, what can I do to build a business? What can I do to be a better uh, personal trainer? How Mm -hmm. are you helping with that? Thank you for asking that question. Yes. So um, what I do with my company, Strong Flexi Healthy, is I try to be that next step. My aim is to be that next step after you become certified. You can arrive at that place from so many different angles. It could be like you and I, where we had done the four years and now we have a degree in movement and we have a cert and now we want to enter into fitness or this is a career change. You know, you're in your thirties and you realize I don't want to do this other thing, whether it be corporate or not. And you want to come into that. And so what I do is I try to really focus on helping them gain the skills that was not presented to them via schooling or the certification process itself. And those things typically are Number one, program design is a big pain point for people who are just coming into the space, but it's your bread and butter. So you need to know how to do it. Also um, building relationships with people and just the people skills like communication and emotional intelligence. Those are the things that keep you with a full roster, right? Those are the things that build bridges for you to pivot your career when you're like done with being on the floor, or if you just want to get off of having split shifts, like we talked about in the outset. And then also um, things like identifying who you, your ideal training client even is, because I think a big issue is we start out the gate roaring with passion. I'll train everyone. And we all know that true business means that when you train everybody and you say it that way, or you present that, you get nobody because people don't know what they can trust you with. And so with those core things, I've kind of created either coaching opportunities or digital products that address them. So um, focusing on, like I mentioned, ideal clients, bringing them in and like the back end of things, your client journey and program design, those are how I'm trying to help, so to speak. (laughs) I love that you are filling this need. And what what got me was when you said you are 
you are what happens after the certification. Because I feel like so many people are like, well, now what? I have all of this inspiration, but then the implementation just kind of falls flat. because so it's like, well, I'm, I don't have enough confidence programming. I'm not exactly sure. I have some ideas. And, you know, like I see this with some of the people that have gone through the PNPA cert is they're like all this inspiration. And then like, oh, what, what do I do with it? Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's kind yeah. of like narrowing down. Like what feels what feels like an easy yes to you? Is it a yeah. seminar? Is it a workshop? Is it one-on-one programming? Is it personal training? Is it a, you're better in a group environment at a CrossFit class? Like, I don't know. Like, what is your easy yes? But you, what you said is so true about those basics of program design and finding who your avatar is and just like really narrowing that down is such an overlooked piece initially. Yeah, it is. And what ends up happening is people spin their wheels. If they stay with personal training Mm -hmm. and fitness, they spin their wheels for several years before they figure it out. And the reason I can say that so confidently is because I lived that, that example. And I would get so fresh. I mean, Brianne, I can't tell you how much money I sunk into learning, figuring it out. Like, you know, bought this course and that coaching and A couple of times I got burned and that's a part of it. So don't shy away from it just because there's the potential of getting burned, but you do find the people who are gold and who are your supporters and advocate you and like lift you up through all of it. But it takes time. And looking back, I'm like, if someone had just presented the need for this earlier, I think I would have spun my wheels less. If someone had started to create some sort of community or place for me to go and not feel like, for instance, when you work in a gym, you oftentimes, or in a small town, you oftentimes don't necessarily make friends with other trainers because there's this whole, oh, you're just going to crouch on my clientele situation. And maybe with online, we don't have to worry about that as much, but you still need to learn all those aspects, even when you're online, because now your, your candidate pool just expanded infinitely, you know? And so like not being glued down to like, what is it that I need to learn to be really exceptional for these clients that I'm trying to work with? Who exactly are these clients I'm trying to work with? Like, who would I enjoy? I think that's the other part. People don't really think about the type of people that they could be bringing in, which I, I really talk a lot about like understanding your own personality type because you don't work well with everyone. Right. Like, when you start having those clients that make you have an anxiety attack before you have to like go in with them, that's a clear red flag, friend. That you chose poorly, and um, and I think some of that may even go back to we choose people that might not be a good fit because we need the income. But right. sometimes it's like you almost don't know who you don't want to work with until you work with them, and you're like, I never want to have that kind of client again, or somebody mm-hmm. who is doing like that kind of fitness. Like I can do it doesn't really resonate with me or just like a clash of personality and then knowing how to cut that off, set your own boundaries, and then set up a good system for being able to vet who you take in. But that comes with a lot of like, like you said, sometimes you just take in people and we say yes, because we need the money. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that, that expertise and get in those reps and everything. But then it's like, I have so many of the coaches that will share just different stories of like, I don't really want to keep coaching this person, but I've been with him for five years and I, I commute like 30 minutes and I just feel so bad. And like, I've certainly had clients early on that I just held on to for so, so long, but that's such a, 
like you were mentioning the, you know, just the, the personality, like really knowing like who you mm-hmm. want to work with and like honoring that early on is so key. Yeah. Yes. Because what happens if you don't try hard to nail that person early on, and then you kind of let that relationship remain is it drains you from doing quality work with others. Like there is nothing more of an energy suck than having like the mental wrestling about how to handle a client when you're not even in front of them. Like hours before, days before, days after, you're still like spinning your wheels with how much stress that relationship brings you because personal training is such a relationship business. And we have to remember like in our non-work lives, if someone is toxic, usually we try to kick them out. (laughs) Why are we not also having that same type of mentality when we have toxic client relationships? I know we can go, that's a whole nother podcast episode, but Um, but I think it's just something to be aware of. It's um, it's a bit of a nuanced thing. Like, yes, there's pros, there's pros to not necessarily uh, saying no to people early on, but you still need to learn how to do it. And it's still yeah. beneficial to, for you to do it early on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it helps you, I think, define your boundaries. And sometimes you, you learn that in the trenches. I think most things you kind of learn in the trenches, despite your best mm-hmm. efforts to create yes. a really solid understanding of like, know thyself, know thy business, you know, sure. But also it takes a lot of like reps and failures and, you know, trial and error to figure out like, well, what does that actually look like in real life? You know, we can know these sets of exercises for this injury or this need, but until you're applying it in real life, you know, mm-hmm. you don't really learn. This is very true. And um, it's something that I, I, I agree with you. And I'm hoping that people who are, tr- who are, becoming trainers and going straight to the online space, they still find a way to learn those lessons because I think that becomes a barrier that stops you from learning a lot of lessons that you learn being face-to-face with clients. A hundred percent. I am like very, I try to be really outspoken about the need to work with people in real life before taking your business solely online, like hybrid fine, but there has to be an element of being in the trenches of working in front of people. And Mm -hmm. seeing that process, having those conversations, you know, like there's a lot to be said for that when you are a new trainer. 100% could not agree with you more. Awesome. So tell us more about what your programs actually look like. Yes. So interestingly, this podcast recording is happening early 2022, but in 2021, I built this program called the Fit Pro Development Mentorship. It was like my baby, my my flagship bread and butter. And it was basically encapsulating all the things I talked about earlier on about what I want to teach, um, want to help extend to other trainers, like the programming, the onboarding, the creating kind of like your coaching style, your ideal client work, all of that was in it. And it was a great first offer learning experience. It literally almost made me pull my hair out though, because creating courses is hard. Just, I'm going to put it out there. People creating courses is hard, much harder than training people. (laughs) I I can vouch for that. (laughs) Especially if your mental makeup is coaching, right? And so when I came to the end of 2021, I realized, okay, opportunity to improve here. And what I recognize is that trainers are at different points in their careers when I meet them. And 
it's overwhelming sometimes to create, I mean, to purchase a course that big Mm -hmm. financially, mentally, like I want people to finish what they start. And so what I did is I have now I'm in the process of splitting that massive course into smaller offers. So essentially the three things that are available for individuals to work through with me through is an initial kind of ideal client. It's called define the client. It's a, like a miniature course that really talks about what we just belabored with ideal clients and how to figure that out. And then there is a programming course strictly just teaching you how to create strength and hypertrophy programs for beginner and intermediate training age clients. And I focus specifically on those things because the vast majority of trainers will only train those two types of individuals and being able to go deep, not wide. And what do those programs really look like? And What's the overall purpose of them? As you and I know, two people who who programmed for quite a while, like a program, when it comes to like a workout within a program, it's one piece of a massive puzzle and you have to see the big puzzle, the big picture. And that is what that entire program does for them. Teaches them how to zoom out and be like, how does this work in this client's life? Not, oh, I know how to build a macro cycle and a meso cycle and put all these sets of reps in it. And we're not going to factor in the life portion of any of this. <laughs> so um, those are the two things that someone can get their hands on. Now, more stuff will come in the year, but, oh, and a that. podcast. So <laughs> I love that. That sounds really great and truly like an extension of what should be in more certifications, but you're filling that need. And I can relate to that. <laughs> Filling in that need of what is what the fitness industry could benefit from. Um, are people able to work with you one-on-one? Are you taking any one-on-one clients right now? Yes, I am. I am taking on a basically kind of like an interview basis. There are, in, there are individuals who are not just not desirous of doing a course. They want a, a person right. in front of them. And I love that. So yes, people also right. can work with me one-on-one as well. That's great. I know there's always like, it's, I think that's knowing your avatar too, is like, there's going to be the DIY person who just like, they want to work through it on their own. And there's people that want that, like, just give me attention. Tell me yes. what to, to do exactly. I'm not going to lie. Like I am that person. I am the, like, just just be in the trenches with me. But <laughs> yes, I, I, I desire that too. That's why that option is there. And yeah. if I'm going to be honest with you, the, the most fulfilling part of my work is the relationships with my yeah. people because I very much so am the person who thinks the information is out there on the internet. Like I can give you all of that for free, but the real change happens in that coaching. Yeah. The yeah. questions that inspire you to think about your own actions and move the needle in a different way. And sometimes you don't even know what's within you until someone starts asking questions and you like, Oh, I did not know that was down there. Thank you for pulling it out. (laughs) That is again, it's like learning in the trenches of your own business and through clients and then creating offers and businesses that just help support those needs that get pointed out over time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us here today and tell us where people can learn more about you. For sure. So um, you can find me on Instagram at strongly underscore Jasmine. I spell my name the old fashioned way with an S and an E. So that's where you can find me on Instagram. Please DM me. I love those types of conversations. And then you can also um, find my work on my website at strongflexihealthy.com. 
Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for the work that you're doing. You're filling such an important need in the fitness industry. And that keeps getting more and more obvious, I think, uh, as time has gone on here. I very much so appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practice Brave podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and help us spread the work we are doing to improve the overall information and messaging in the fitness industry and beyond. Now, if you are pregnant and you are looking for a trustworthy exercise program to follow, I have you covered. The Pregnant Athlete Training Program is a well-rounded program for pregnancy with workouts for each week that are appropriate for your changing body. That's 36 weeks of workouts, three to four workouts each week, and tons of guidance on exercise strategy. We also have an at-home version of that program. If you are postpartum and you're looking for an exercise program to follow, the eight-week postpartum athlete training program would be a really great way to help bridge the gap between rehab and the fitness you actually want to do. From there, we have the Practice Brave Fitness Program, which is an ongoing strength conditioning program where you get new workouts each week and have a lot of guidance from myself and my co-coach, Heather Osby. This is the only way that I'm really offering ongoing coaching at this point in time. If you have ever considered becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, I would love to have you join us. Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism is a self-paced online certification course that will up-level your coaching skills and help connect the dots between pelvic health and long-term athletic performance, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. Become who you needed and become who your online and local community needs by becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Thank you again for listening to the Practice Brave podcast. I appreciate you and please help me continue spreading this messaging, this information, and this work. Mm -hmm.